Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Let's pray, and we're going to open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to look at the Cain train, the Cain train. Genesis 4, we'll be looking at verses 17 through 26. Father, we're so grateful to see this come to pass, to see this wonderful building. We want to take a moment with uh, one heart to dedicate it to you. Officially, right now, this building is yours, Lord. It doesn't belong to a man or a group of men or even a congregation, although we will call it home, hopefully, for years to come. This is a building for you, Lord. May you inhabit it with your glory. May, as you promised, may you inhabit the praises of your people. May your glory be on display. May this pulpit never compromise to the cultural winds or to even the church compromising. Help us, Lord, in the midst of a generation where the train is running down the track, oftentimes in ways that we would wish it would not. Help us to be bold and courageous as we preach, yet help us to be loving and patient. Because we too all have a past. All of us were saved from something. You've been so good to us and so gracious. So help us find that balance where we can speak truth, but speak it in love. And Lord, as we honor you with the reading of your word now and the study of your word, may you lead this study where you want it to go. But more than that, may you penetrate our hearts with the power of your word to set us more free, to transform our lives, to make us more into the image of your dear son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Genesis 4, look with me at verse 17. It says, And Cain had relations with his wife, Genesis 4, 17, and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. And he, that is in context Cain, built a city and called the name of the city Enoch after the name of his son. Now, if you were with us last Sunday, we, and I would encourage you, hold a finger in Genesis and go all the way to the book of Jude for a second, all the way just before Revelation. Hold your place in Genesis and go to Jude. If you were with us last time, as we looked at the story of Cain, God had been warning Cain. He told Cain that sin was crouching at his door. And sin, we talked about its stealth nature. It's pictured as a beast kind of hiding. It doesn't just show up in your little thing where you can see out your front door and say, hello, I'm sin. Would you let me in? No, sin is more stealth. It crouches at the door. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. You're going to have moments in your life when things are pounding at the door. And you're going to have to decide which reality you're going to let in. Are you going to let sin in or are you going to let Jesus in? Jesus, I'm going to give credit to the Colemans for reminding me of that verse because I know God put that on your heart. Jesus is the way of escape. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to all of us. But God is faithful. 
He will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can bear, but with the temptation, he will provide what? A way of escape, or the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Jesus is the way of escape, and whenever sin is knocking at the door, just open the other door and let Jesus in. He'll give you the power, but sometimes what we do when we're tempted is we run from God, and Cain was warned. He said, sin's crouching at the door. God said to him, don't let it in. And I think Cain, for whatever reason, just kind of brushed that aside. And the sin that was controlling Cain, like so many people, was anger. He was angry that his sacrifice, his offering was not accepted, but his brother's was. And he took that anger out on Abel. He let sin win, so many of us. You know, we could, it's probably more than we can count. We've had sin banging on the door and we let sin win. We let it in. And God said, don't do that. If you master sin, if you do better, you'll do well. It'll even, remember, it'll even change your face, Cain. It'll change your countenance. If you do well, you can improve. You can master sin. That's from God to Cain. Uh, Paul wrote in Romans 6, 11, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin, Romans six fourteen shall not be master over you for you are not under law but you are under grace you don't have to let sin win as a christian you have the power of the holy spirit and tapping into that power is one of the most important things that you can do but cain blew it and he gave into sin and jude comments on the way of cain but before we go to jude 11 go to jude only one chapter look at verse 3 Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, Jude 1, verse 3, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. They're almost like sin, they're stealth. Those who were uh, long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turned the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Skip down to verse 11. In context, false teachers who are tricky, they're, they're kind of secret in the way they go about things. Woe to them, verse 11, for they have gone the way of who? The way of Cain. And for pay, they have rushed headlong into the era of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Three notorious Old Testament characters who instead of doing it God's way, did it their way. And my friends, I will tell you this, my brothers and sisters, I think you know this. You get to decide which way you're gonna take. The ball has been hit to you and you get to decide what you wanna do with it. That's the nature of free will. God pours out grace, he woos us by his Holy Spirit. He's got all the grace and more. But we must respond or we will go the way of Cain. Back to Genesis 4. So Cain gave in to his anger. He took it out on his brother. He couldn't take it out on God. I think God was his ultimate target, but he couldn't reach God. So he took it out on Abel. But he was mad at God. Are you mad at God? 
there's a lot of people that get mad at God. Usually it's because you don't understand something, and I fully appreciate that. I know we have question marks in this world. We have things that happen that are inexplicable to us at times, and we wonder, God, what are you doing? And, and for Cain, maybe he was wondering why God didn't accept his sacrifice, but in the end, it was about his heart. He didn't offer the sacrifice in faith. It wasn't the material sacrifice per se that was the problem. It was his heart. God wanted Cain's heart. And Cain killed his brother, and he became a marked man. I don't know if we have the uh, PowerPoint up in the booth, guys, but if we do, uh, maybe you can put it up there. And if we don't, don't worry about it. He was a marked man. I told you that the, the mark was the word uh, it's signified by the word oat. And in the old uh, Hebrew picture language, the word is the beginning and the end or the leader nailed to the cross. The last letter of the Hebrew word oat in the old script is a cross and it means the leader. The middle uh, letter is a nail, nailed to the cross. Maybe that's the mark that Cain bore. Maybe he walked around, even though he was a wanderer, he walked around with a mark of grace. He settled in the land of Nod. Do you remember the land of Nod means settled? But he was a wanderer, and he probably wandered for decades. How many of you remember the song by Dion, The Wanderer? Remember that song? Well, I'm the type of guy who will never settle down, says Dion. Where pretty girls are, well, you know that I'm around. I kiss them and I love them because to me they're all the same. I hug them and I squeeze them. They don't even know my name. They call me the wanderer. Yeah, the wanderer. I roam around and around and around. Y'all know it? Oh, well, there's Flo on my left arm and there's Mary on my right. And Jenny's the girl with, uh, that I'll be with tonight. And when she asks me which one I love the best, I'll tear open my shirt and show her Rosie on my chest because I'm the wanderer. Yeah, the wanderer. Can I hear it? I roam around and around. (laughs) I know. Oh, well, I roam from town to town. I go through life without a care. And I'm as happy as a clown with my two fists of iron but I'm going nowhere. Do you feel a little pain in the song? I won't put you through the pain of the rest of the lyrics. (laughs) But I'll tell you this. Many times in music, we can hear people shaking their fists, taking the train cane, the the cane train. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to... I'm going to be, I'll be a wanderer. I'll go from town to town. I'll, I'll, whatever relationship I want to partake in and all the time. What they don't realize is that God's way, Christ's train is the way to peace, the way to fulfillment. If you go out and you try to do it the way of Cain and you let sin win, you will be empty even though you're shaking your fist at heaven and even though you're pronouncing that you can do whatever you want to do, Sin has a way of destroying you. There was a woman in Jesus' ministry brought to him, caught in the act of adultery, caught in the very act. 
And Jesus was there. And they said, Master, she's been caught in the act. What do you say? The law of Moses says to stone her. They were trying to trap him. They began to write in the ground. We don't know what he wrote. There's a passage in Jeremiah that may indicate what he wrote. Some people believe he drew three crosses in the ground. And he said, okay, whoever's without sin, you go ahead and cast the first stone. And from the oldest to the youngest, they left. And then Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? I have none, Lord. Then neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Here's the question. What did Cain do after he got the mark? His brother was dead, but he got to go on with his life. He's the wanderer. God says, you're going to wander, but but I'm going to put a mark on you, and that mark is going to tell people that if they try to kill you, because that was Cain's worry, right? Not that he killed his brother, not what it did to his family, not what it did to his parents. He was filled with self-pity. God, it's too much. Your punishment is too much. It's more than I can bear. And God said, I'll put a mark on you. I think it was a mark of grace. And this mark will be with you wherever you go. It will keep you. This is what God has done for us. You may have made a tragic mistake or two or three in your life. And you may be trying to go on. And that's a good thing to do. You may feel like you're a wanderer right now. But I think even in this text, there's hope of grace. There's a, there's a cross where Jesus said, Father, blame me. Now, Enoch moves on with his life. Let's see what he does, because this is huge to see what his life's going to be about. So Cain has relations with his wife. Many people say, where did his wife come from? Well, Cain got a wife from the family of origin where everybody came from, which was Adam and Eve. So his wife had to be his sister. Don't worry about that. The law doesn't really comment on that until later. It wasn't sinful at the time. That's how, the, that's how humanity had to spread out. And then with the gene pool and everything else, God's law went into place. That that's not the way to do it. In fact, if you look at Genesis 5, look at verse 4. It says, the days of Adam after he became the father of Seth were 800 years and he had what? other sons and daughters. You need to know something, that the Bible compresses accounts. It doesn't necessarily give you all the detail. If it did, it would be a long book. Adam lived 800 years after Seth was born. There were lots of other sons and daughters that were born. You say, well, then what's the, what's the time frame? Well, it would appear that Cain probably for decades wandered. And then there were other people who populated the planet. He found a wife He was intimate with her, and a child was born. Cain had relations with his wife. She conceived and gave birth to Enoch 417 in Genesis, and he built a city, and he called the name of the city Enoch after the name of his son. You you can write in the margin there, Enochville. That's actually what it was called. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Here's the question. Why did Cain build a city? Was he shaking his fist at God? Was he saying, you may say I'm a wanderer, but I'm building a city. And I'll get lost in the big city, and I'll name it after my son. And if we give Cain a break, maybe he built the city so his son wouldn't follow in his footsteps. Amen? Maybe he said, I'm a wanderer, but I don't want my son to be a wanderer, so I'll build a city where he can dwell. 
How many of us are trying to make up for past mistakes that way, right? I don't want my son or my daughter to repeat my mistakes, so we try to put some things in place, and there's nothing wrong with that. But was Cain's building of the city really an act of defiance to God? Was he saying, you may say that this is my punishment, but I'm building a city. There's only two places, I think, in the first 11 chapters where cities are built. The other city was called Babel. That did not end well. And people can get lost in cities. And I think maybe Cain built the city. It may have been a tiny little place. I don't know. But maybe the city was an attempt at self-salvation. When I say self-salvation, what I'm talking about is an attempt to save himself. Instead of paying attention to the mark of grace, he thought, I'll build a place. How many of us do that? I'll find a place of safety. I'll build it and then I'll dwell there and I'll be fine there. But all the while, we're just defying God. You see, if you don't build on Jesus Christ, your house is on sand. And and the sand is going to give way in the day of judgment. There's only one foundation upon which we can build. Listen to this. This is Psalm 49, 11 through 13. It says, Their inner thought is that their houses are forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They have called their lands after their own names. But man in his pomp will not endure. Psalm 49, 11 through 13. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish and of those after them who approve their words. Selah, pause, think about it. Many people build buildings. They put their name on it, family's name. But the psalmist says, but they're going to die. You know, uh, Solomon built all these buildings, right? He tried to do all this stuff, but he was disconnected from God and the buildings would not last. And he bemoaned his life as vanity. He said, it's emptiness because I know I'm going to leave this to somebody else. The cane train is I'll build stuff. I'll make improvements. I'll make society better. I'll build a city. I'll build a tower. God's way is, yeah, build stuff but build it for the sake of a kingdom that will last. Amen? You know, the American dream is all about building, and I have no problem with that. I've had the privilege of seeing many successes in my life and many failures. I'm not talking about not trying to be a successful person. I'm not talking about doing your best because you should give your best as a Christian. But I'm talking about if you build stuff without God, you're going to come to the end of your life with major regrets. And that seems to be Cain. We asked the question last week, did Cain repent? Well, he's not spoken of highly in the, Old Te- in the uh, New Testament. Henry Morris comments on things that are going on in the building of the city. He says, it is interesting that one of the identifying marks which evolutionary anthropology uses to denote the emergence of a Stone Age culture into a civilized society is the the development of urbanization. But according to the Bible, the first such city is a city built by Cain. In the very first generation after Adam, no long million year development here, close quote. But what about the caveman? (laughs) He's in the Geico commercials, isn't he? (laughs) Apparently not. Right after... Adam and Eve are there and kicked out of the Garden of Eden. What do we have? Cities being built. We think people were so stupid back in the day, yet we find structures in archaeology that we can't even explain. We don't even know how they built them. 
You see, the message that you may be hearing in history classes and secular colleges that, by the way, beat up Christian students to no end and try to make it sound like what they believe is ridiculous. Actually, the joke's on them because they're hanging their hat on a lie. And I think it's very clear, even in history and archaeology, that the Bible stands true. Now to Enoch, verse 18, Genesis 4, was born Irad. And Irad became the father of that guy, <laughs> Mehujael. And Mehujael became the father of Methushael. And Methushael became the father of Lamech. Now some of you are saying, this is why I don't read the Old Testament. <laughs> exactly why. Hey, I've got news for you. If, you, if you're in a Bible study and you just say Methushael and say it with confidence, everyone will believe you. Because nobody knows how to pronounce the names anyway. So just say it with confidence. Lamech. Methushael. The L endings, by the way, are the name of God, L. So Lamech is now going to rise uh, in prominence in the text. Notice verse 19. And Lamech took to himself two wives. Uh-oh. Here we go, right? Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. (laughs) Singular. And the two shall become one flesh. But Lamech, out of the gate, what does he do? He took. It almost like has force to it. He took to himself two wives. Now, you may say, I read a lot of accounts of major Bible characters who seemed to have multiple wives. Some of them had a second wife, like in the case of Abram, which we'll study later in the book. And he took Hagar as his wife because Sarai could not give birth to children. And back in the day, that's why a second wife sometimes came into the family because there was uh, trouble in bearing children and that was major to have an heir in that society. But... We don't know that that's why Lamech did it. He just seems to take a couple of wives. One writer says, however, no matter if the Bible doesn't always condemn polygamy, however, nearly every polygamous household in the Old Testament suffers most unpleasant and shattering experiences, close quote. Well, you all know what happened with Sarai and Hagar. Little fighting in the kitchen, if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it sounded like a great idea until it really happened. Do you know that now, with marriage being redefined in our culture, and same-sex marriage now being accepted all over the United States, there are groups that are coming right behind it and calling for group marriage now. It's called polyamory. I'm not kidding. In fact, probably 15 years ago, James Dobson warned the country that this was coming, and it's here In fact, I saw a TV show not many months ago where this is exactly what a a group was doing. It was something like three guys and two girls and they're married. Now, they were smiling for the cameras, but I got news for you. If you're a fly on the wall at an evening meal, it ain't gonna be pretty. God's ways are good. And when you have an intimate relationship with a person for a long time, the first thing that happened, by the way, in this church yesterday was a wedding. It's, it's really cool. A couple got married right up here yesterday. Yeah. And you know what I said? I said, 
you guys know a certain level of love right now, but you're going to know a love that's deeper and more incredible in 20 years. My beautiful bride, responsible for a lot of the things that are around this building and worked so hard, we've celebrated 25 years of marriage, and God has been so good to us. If you asked my wife and I, yeah, you can clap for her. If you ask my wife and I what's made our relationship work, we'll tell you. Jesus Christ. This is Living Truth Radio, and we have the privilege of coming over this station to you. But um, the privilege does have a cost, and we just want to take a moment to let you know that we want to thank you for praying for us and partnering with us on Living Truth Radio. There's a way that you can give to this radio broadcast. We do have some wonderful open doors, but we do need you to partner with us in prayer and in giving. If you can give to the ongoing radio ministry of Living Truth, we deeply appreciate it. Uh, When Oscar and I walk into this studio and we have Cameron doing recording for us, none of us get paid to do radio. We're doing it because it's a passion. If you can partner with us, we'd appreciate it. Here's how you can help us out. You can go to livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Click on the Donate tab. You'll see a picture of Pastor Michael there. Make sure that when you go to the PayPal account, you indicate that your gift is for radio ministry. If you'd like to send a gift, you can send it to Living Truth 1009 Arsenal Way. Think of the armor of God. Corona, California 92880. Again, that is Living Truth 1009 Arsenal Way. Corona, California 92880. If you have any needs that we can help you with, you can always give us a call. The office is open on the West Coast here in Southern California, Tuesday through Friday from 9 to about 5 in the afternoon. Our number is 951-735-2856. You can find out all that information and directions to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona by going to our website. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you come and worship with us. We have services at 9 and 11.15 a.m. We have a lot of things for kids. We have child care, Sunday school classes that run concurrent with the services. And you can find out all those details one more time at livingtruthradio.org. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz and Cameron Thomas, this is Pastor Michael Lance. We'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92. Eight eight zero. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.